0: Grégoire and Dan Beeston are smart enough to know better. Welcome to episode 181 of Smart Enough to Know Better. We're a podcast of science. And comedy. And ignorance. I'm Dan Beeston. I'm Grégoire. And in this episode of Smart Enough to Know Better, I keep it clean for once. And I yeet! And I choose one thing to eat. And I am inevitable. Wish I could click my fingers. God, I'm so good at everything else except for laser tag. I can't click my fingers either.
1: I promise that'll come into the story.
0: God damn it. But what happened to you this week in science? I have had a
1: really interesting week in science. I have been looking at words exciting words and how words why we use the words we use can't look at words you can only listen to them surely well there's written language
0: <laughs> it,
1: what? Was a, What's this? it was it was the whole thing uh, so i live in perth australia and perth australia is the english name they
0: have text over in <laughs> they
1: do we've, we've got all the mod cons hot and roll cold running language and the place I live, Perth, in the Wadjuk Nunga people's language, is the traditional owners of the land, is called Borlu, and Borlu is just the area I live in.
0: Couldn't live in if you wanted to. Pardon? Borlu. Oh, I right. don't really know the lyrics <laughs> to, to yeah, that song, but yeah, uh, uh,
1: that, that could work. And I was intrigued. At the, the, the Noongar language. So, the Noongar is the, is the larger cultural language group, and the Wajuk people are the people who sort of live in the area that we call Perth Borlu. So, I live on Borlu Budja, so Borlu country. I was fascinated with the way they called certain words. So, things, say so normal everyday things. And they seem to base a lot of their stuff on their words on how the animal sounds, in this case of animals. So, for example, crows. Crows they call wadongs which wadong, it does sound like what noise an Australian crow makes, or a magpie. something got that sort of nasalness. That, ah, yeah, 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 that okay. wadong. Yeah, if you say it, you can hear it. And the other one, magpie, yeah. I really like magpies. It's called a kulbadi. Cool so cool body. I, I really like, because it does that weird wala, yeah. that weird noise they make, The wala, wala noise they make, that, that magpies make, Australian magpies. They're amazing birds, love them to death. And then willy wagtail's they're the little black and white things with little tails. They sort of dance around angrily. They call them jitty-jitties. And once again, that's that noise. They go, that noise when they're pissed off at you and they're running up. Ah, uh,
0: yeah. Jitty-jitty-jitty-jitty.
1: And so they're naming a lot of their na- birds after the noise those birds make. So I was thinking to myself, well, what do we do? So we have like crow. And a crow is from the Old English craw, and which the noise a crow makes. So we've based it on the very similar thing. Uh,
0: oh, yeah. So a
1: magpie is a bit different. Magpie goes all the way back to Greek. So a magpie was called a kisser. And a kisser was named after the fact that they noticed that what we call magpies ate everything and weird things. So just whatever was on the ground, they were just these omnivorous hunters and collectors, basically. They just grab everything they can. And so just like pregnant women would get weird cravings, they named it after that. So it's called a kisser.
0: What, but what, what, how does that work? What's a kisser? What, what does kisser oh, it, mean? It's,
1: I don't speak ancient Greek, but K-I-S-S-A. It's the named after the craving that women get in pregnancy for weird food, like, like salt or, or chalk or anything like that, where pregnant women will supposedly eat anything or sometimes will eat anything. They named this bird that means e- eats anything the same thing. So they named it after the...
0: How do you get magpie from
1: kisser? aha? I'm glad you asked <laughs> So it moved into, into Latin So it became Pica So P-A-C-A And then way English sort of happens It turned into Pi so Pika, so Kisser becomes is Latinized into Pika, and then it morphs in English into Pie over a long period
0: mm-hmm. of time. And so, a long time they were just called pies. That's all they were; they were just pies. But it'd be very confusing with that poem. Like, how do you get four and twenty blackbirds in a single pie? Well, that's, like, they, they, that's a that's yes. a loose magpie. <laughs> that is right. that magpie puts it about. Well, it's, it's
1: a it's a magpiden. No blackbird and oh, I can't do it. It's a tadarkin. That's what I'm trying to say here. to duckin with blackbirds. That's and it, nagpies. magpies. That's the joke. Construct it yourself. Uh, Magbird duckin. Thank you. Phew. In English, in the in sort of middle English, they started doing things like adding human names to animals. So they had like Tom Tits, Jenny Wrens, Robin Redbreasts. And in this case, it was Maggie Pies or Margaret Pie. Oh, wow. So Maggie Pie becomes magpie. So that's a weird one. That's sort of a long way. That's quite cute that they're adding like... Yeah people names to birds yeah. yeah 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 and i thought i knew that robin redbreast i'd always heard about uh, tom tit i'd heard about i didn't realize it was a thing they just added these human names so i was interested in the language that's what was going with Indigenous words coming from the sound and English sometimes from the sound, sometimes from what they did, of course, transformed through multiple languages. And then I came across this idea that language is built into our brains in some way. There used to be an idea of that our language, the, the thing and the words have no connection sound-wise in our brains. We just make up a word and we use it. And that was that was linguistically for a long time what people thought, it seems. And Around the world, that's what people thought. But then they came up with this idea that actually maybe this inbuilt shapes of words in our brains. And I believe we talked a little bit on the podcast before, but I want to do an experiment now with you, Dan, and with the listeners. So, listeners, you're part of the experiment. I'm going to say a made-up word, and I want you in your head to think the shape or what this thing will look like, this thing that doesn't exist. So, the word is booba. Booba. When you think of the word booba, what shape do you think of? What comes to your mind of, of, of a shape is two
0: pendulous breasts. There you go,
1: pendulous. So, so round things, round pendulous
0: breasts. There you go, booba. And what's really interesting is around the world in because, because and you know how they get their name because that's the sound they make when you put your face between them and go back and forth.
1: <laughs> Does it? Is is it? Is it now? Is it good? Is it? You See, language is amazing. Language, um, language upsets, that's, that's upsetting. And <laughs> so when they looked at different... The scientists sort of looked at the people around the world, they found that there's a lot, lot of evidence around the world that many people would think of a round shape and listen you probably thought of a round shape to the word booba so they checked 917 speakers of 25 languages using 10 writing systems and 70 percent of participants associated booba with a round shape a round thing that's not just roman alphabet so japanese and georgian didn't show as strongly, but 63%, but still were were thinking booba as a, a round thing. So there were people in the world that didn't. So Mandarin didn't particularly, neither did Romanian as well. There's a word that sounds like booba that means something else. So in Romanian, it sounds like the word for wound, which sounds more of a sharp, cutty kind of thing. So that's they're not too sure yet. That has to be looked at. But for many people around the world, booba is a round thing. So if I now say another one, so the word is going to be. I'm going to say another word
0: and think what it sounds like. I'm going to say the word "kiki," kiki, something sh pointy, something pointy, something pointy, k- k- kiki. Yeah, in ink. trying to think of a body part that seems <laughs> pointy, your
1: head. Mm. So, listen, what are you thinking of when I say Kiki? I, I think of pointy things as well. As soon as I heard that, my brain went straight to so like sharp, jaggedy, like, and the same thing. It's, it's like Boo-Boo is round and pendulous or circular or something. Kiki has pointy stuff to it. So th- there might be some sort of connection with language. But as I said, not all languages. Mandarin's a pretty big language to be ignoring. Uh, <laughs> but I love the idea that there may be shapes in our brains for sounds and leading to alphabet. So that was... That was just my week in science. I just went a little bit down a rabbit hole and I'd love to know more because I think the answer is no one really knows. Language is weird. The fact that human beings can just kind of generate it. I mean, children have to be taught it, but but not taught it, taught it. You're going to, you have a propensity for language quite early. Anyway, yeah, I was fascinated with that.
0: I was interested by vowels because if you look at an O, it looks like a mouth saying an O. Mm. And if you look at a, a lower case e, it looks Yee. like a mouth saying a lower case e in in Roman and if you script. Look at yeah, an, uh, and if you look at an i, yeah. it I, looks more I. like an i. Oh, yeah. than an o does. Huh. And if you look at an a, it a, sort of goes to one side, a, and it looks a little a. bit like more like an a than anything.
1: Yeah, you're. Yeah, okay. I wonder. Yeah, that's interesting. Vowels are also placed in the mouth, different places. Ooh, is it the front of the mouth, like o? Oh and then e is further back in the mouth we make it regenerate it further back ah is sort of center of the mouth it feels so there's a different place in where you're generating this noise as well but which probably leads to the mouth shape which might might lead to the letter he's but that's just that's english that's just English. i don't know what they're well like in that's other not english. just english that's anything that uses the that proto indian because,
0: like, you know, all the European languages use the same script. It's that script. Yeah, but if you look at like if you look at like Russian mm. But they but all but France and Spain, they all use the English alphabet. <laughs> da- That's how that works. Uh,
1: <laughs> Dan 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 Dan. The Russians use a lot of the same letters, they're just Cyrillic ha- They're
0: all back to front. <laughs> yes, they're all back to front. Is- <laughs> Welcome to racism hour. We're done. <laughs> oh, it's gonna last longer than an hour. <laughs> I get so many seconds. All oh, right. Well, tell me about your week in science, I think. I've been up to something quite sinister. Ooh, just in time for Halloween. I read that brushing your teeth with your non-dominant mm-hmm. hand can help with brain function. It can ward off dementia and turn me into a super uh, genius. <laughs> a super genius. <laughs> uh huh. Okay. Now, brushing my teeth is something that I have done all of my life. Well, most of my life. Some of my mm. life. I've, I've brushed my teeth some of my life. Um, And I'm forcing my brain to learn a new skill that I will practice every single day. So what, Greg, does the science say? Yes. Using your non-dominant hand can ward off dementia. I'm
1: going to guess what it is. The reason for this is because you're using your left hand. Your left hand is your sinister hand. And therefore, you're making a pact with the devil to ward off dementia. By using your left hand, you're allowing the devil into your life and therefore you he's protecting your brain, but
0: of course you lose your soul no oh okay. no. the the devil is a big supporter of dementia, hence the oh. name the de- 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 demon <laughs> once again,
1: there are linguists who are very angry with us right now
0: <laughs> so brain training is actually one of the activities that can ward off dementia okay. learning new activities creates new neural pathways. Mm. You can benefit from taking up knitting, learning a second language, or brushing your teeth with the non-dominant hand. Ooh. Though, as with all things, this comes a distant second to <sighs> a balanced diet, plenty of exercise, and reduced <laughs> alcohol intake. <laughs>
1: so we want all we want all our smarties to uh, start brushing your teeth with your left hands.
0: Well, uh, can it help with brain function though, and turn me into a super genius? It does create new neural pathways and it does give me new powers. Mm, mm. Unfortunately, it only does so in a very specific way. It won't improve my mathematical abilities Mm. nor my creativity, but it will make me nigh unstoppable when it comes to left-handed brushing activities.
1: (laughs) I have done something similar. I just realised over the last couple of years, when I go shopping... I have whole days. This just, just is mainly just a boredom thing. I only shop with my left hand, so I will say this time. I'm when I leave the house till I get back to the house. I will only use my left hand as my dominant hand, picking up all the fruits and the the, the things I'm buying from the shelf, paying for things with my left hand, using picking, yeah, d- packing with my left hand, and not only my left hand. I'm not putting my right hand behind my back, but making it my dominant hand. And in two years, I've noticed a marked increase of the ability to use my left hand to the point now that even when I'm not doing it as a thing, my left hand will sometimes reach out in the supermarket and grab things because it's been told, you're the supermarket hand. <laughs>
0: so, and so it's, it's now happily, so I'll, I'll reach across. Because during a global pandemic, it leaves one hand free to keep touching yourself on the face. Oh,
1: I'm, oh Dan, I'm such a face toucher. You know that. Mainly mine and other people's. It's a mm-hmm. oh, it's, yeah. oh, it's, yeah. it's a shocker. In fact, I have a couple court cases about that.
0: You know what I don't like, Gregoire? Is it me? Is it me, Foreigners. Oh, okay. No way, that's not good. That's not a good thing either. Wait, I take back my (laughs) few. Here on Mars, we've been doing fine for millennium, (laughs) but now we've got these hitchhikers from another world turning up. The robots themselves were one thing, but do you know how filthy those things are? It's dumb, dumb, dumb. We do our best to dissuade them. There's no liquid water here. Mm. There's super low pressure. We keep the place dosed in cosmic radiation and UV. Still, they come. The guidelines of the Outer Space Treaty say operations shall be conducted so as to avoid harmful contamination. Mm. Now, the Earthlings... They have big talk about their clean rooms with their overpressure, the alcohol swabs, the UV treatments, the dust blowers, the protective bunny suits. You think this keeps things clean? I reckon it doesn't. And that's not all. They get rid of all the easy things, sure. Mammals, mm. reptiles, but <laughs> microbes, Greg. Sorry, I just, microbes. I
1: just had this image of scientists. Hanging around the rover, picking off chameleons. (laughs) Ah, you suck, I found you.
0: Yeah, yeah, this is my concern. (laughs) So they killed a bunch of them, a bunch Mm. of these microbes. They did everything they could to remove microbes from a clean room. Mm. The UV torched some, the heat ruined others, yep. they starved them of food, the alcohol burned the rest. It was basically completely clean. Yep. You know what happened next, Grégoire? You know what happened next? Someone licked it. Oh, they didn't need to. Ooh. With no competition, something else oh, started growing. Yes. They discovered a new genus of bacteria. It only mm. prospers in clean rooms. No. Guess what it eats, Greg? Guess what it eats?
1: Uh, the
0: cleaning agent. <laughs> Life
1: finds a way. That's insane. Oh,
0: and and oh. yet, still they come. Yep. You cannot keep things perfectly clean on Earth. It's impossible. It's too filthy. Do you know what they named this new bacteria? Tertiococcus Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Phoenix. Yes. Phoenix. Phoenix lander. They named it after the <laughs> ship that's already come here. Yes. They're just laughing in our faces if we have faces. <laughs> they set a, a maximum number of spores that can be on a craft that comes to Mars. The maximum number should be zero. <laughs> it's currently 500,000. It's the same number that are currently on a phone camera lens. And I don't have to tell you how repulsive those things are. Mm, mm -hmm. It's dumb, 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 Gregoire. (laughs) And then you've got these mavericks like Dr. Alberto Farron, who was published in Nature magazine. He's putting forth the notion that sterilization makes no sense. He suggests that if Earthlings are finding Martian rocks on Earth kicked up by asteroid impacts, that it stands to reason that the same thing happened in reverse. Mm -hmm. That here on Mars, we've had Earth rocks arriving for billions of years. Ah, Perish the thought. He says that if life has spontaneously arisen on both planets independently, then they've been coexisting since the very beginning. Mm. It is an affront to suggest that the pure blood of the Martian environment has been diluted by a lesser planet. NASA currently says, they're very assured of themselves, they say that there is a 1 in 10,000 risk of contamination, Gregoire. The chances of anything coming to Mars are 10,000 to 1, they said. The chances of anything coming to Mars are 10,000 to 1. Yet but still, still they, they come. Dumb dumb, 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 dumb. I could tell that you were already sorry, ahead of me on that. Shouldn't yeah, I shouldn't have I, I I apologise. I could see you click yes. both times. <laughs> yes. and I'm like, ah, hopefully the audience aren't as smart <laughs> sorry, as Greg. I'm sorry. I, I, I did step on your joke. No, me. that's fine. That's fine. That, that's how this thing played out.
1: It, no, it's very cool. Though. You, you talk, you're absolutely right. And it's the idea, like there's definitely stuff out there and, and talking about on all the, all the different... There are definitely these patches of bacteria and things that are going to be out there, which means that Earth could be the seeding of the solar system and into the galaxy if, if life is super, super rare. We're like, oh, how's it going to seed? It could be the technologically seeded by us. It may be impossible to keep life from spreading once we spread because life just is tenacious. It's incredible. It uh-huh. even
0: existing clean rooms. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. That's, that, I didn't know that part. That's really exciting. But extremophiles just keep freaking us out there's no way of keeping them down it's incredible if we're going to be sending all our microbes into space then we have to kind of take into account the rocket equation have you heard of the rocket equation before dan
0: What goes up must come down. (laughs) That's pretty good. Is
1: that it? Look, it's close to being absolutely right. We're not going to talk about the maths of it all, but the idea that in the rocket equation, it's sort of in about 1903, is at Konstantin, Solovsky, also Goddard, there's a few other people, roughly the same time this this equation was put together to work out how to get payloads from the surface into space. And lots of different people, like four different people, sort of worked out roughly the same thing. Because really it's just pushing a lot of
0: things backwards to make things go forwards that's the basis of it that seems like a waste of time like that seems like wasted effort <laughs> just push everything forwards
1: <laughs> yes but conservation momentum you've got to you've got to have a, every opposite every action has an equal opposite reaction then that whole which is not the conservation momentum but anyway you've got to push you to make it go forward you've got to
0: push backwards that's all counterintuitive. Someone, counterintuitive. Someone, someone needs to be sat down and had a good hard talk to about that. <laughs> but it's true, though. When you push forwards, there are
1: friction pushing backwards. So with a rocket, you have to blast something. Basically, you've got to throw all your tennis balls out the back of the rocket, and that will push you forwards the same amount that you've just thrown Oop. out the energy. So the rocket equation has three variables. Those variables are the how much energy you have to expend against gravity, that doesn't change on Earth. Earth has a certain gravitational field due to its mass, therefore you have to expend a certain amount of energy to to fight against that gravity. and we call, we call that sometimes delta V or, or, or the rocket velocity. So to, to get from Earth into the sky, you 've got to fight its gravity. so that's one Yep. then is the energy available in the propellant? so if you have a chemical e- a propellant, how much energy is
0: actually going to produce? because yeah, uh, it's stored energy stored energy exactly Chemical right. energy it's it's ready to go you can't it doesn't make more energy when that's it's, when it's up there it's all got to be there to start with it's all going to be there that's, that's really important it's all got to be there we will get back to that very very
1: soon and the third one is the the weight of the rocket. Uh, the pro- propellant mass fraction. So how much is the, the mass of the propellant compared to the mass of the entire spaceship? So basically you have to have so much propellant
0: to lift something into So if the you space. had a propellant that only stored enough energy to lift like 80% of itself, then that's no good. You need propellant that can both lift both itself and everything else. That's
1: right. And that's the important, the really important thing here. So when you're looking at rockets and the the chemical energy put out by them, you can only change two of these variables. You can't change the amount of energy required to lift off the Earth. That's set on Earth. There it is. Mm -hmm. I mean, it does change a little bit around the Earth. It's not the same gravity everywhere, but you're talking millionths of a difference, so don't worry about that. So you can either change the amount of energy that your propellant makes or you can change the rocket mass, the fraction mass between the propellant and the rest of the spaceship and these are the only two things you can change now to get into space so go from the surface of the earth to the earth orbit takes an energy cost of about eight kilometers a second so we'll, we'll convert it into a speed at this point so just to make keep it simple so you have to get about eight kilometers a second to take to get that's something That's quite rapid that's quite rapid yes there's a lot of energy put into that So you go, okay, cool, to get from the Earth orbit to the surface of Mars takes about another eight kilometres a second. So it's equivalent of getting from the surface of the Earth to to orbit,
0: again, to go from the orbit of Earth to the surface of Mars. So you need more propellant. A lot more propellant. But you you also need enough propellant to get that extra propellant up.
1: Yes, we'll get back to that. So it's like yeah. it's
0: like turtles all the way down. That's
1: right. You have to you continually have to add more propellant. You've got propellant. diminishing returns. Very much so. So you I just want to point out that here that the important part is to get from the surface of the planet to orbit is equivalent to go from orbit to the surface of Mars. So it really is a big energy sink just to get off the planet surface. That's such a we live in a we live in a massive gravity well. When you're looking at a rocket an average, On average, there's so something that's using like a kerosene oxygen or a hydrogen oxygen sort of propellant. 85% of the full mass of the rocket will be taken up by propellant. It's incredible. So to give that some numbers, just a little number, if you had a – these aren't going to be realistic numbers – but let's say you had a rocket whose dry mass, no propellant, is about 1.4 tonnes, so 1,400 kilograms – and mm-hmm. then you want to lift a 100 kilogram payload into space to add those together. That's one and a half tons, 1,500 yep. kilograms. That means you're going to need eight and a half tons of propellant if you're using a chemical propellant. And these are all different. And I know people are going to get are going to be upset with me, the maths. We're being very average here. So with on average, with the chemical propellants that we use, you're going to have to have roughly eight and a half tons of propellant to lift it into Earth orbit. So now you've got a 10 tonne 10,000 kilogram device of which you're going to throw away eight and a half tons of it into just for the uh, propellant. So by adding more propellant, you go, that's great. But as you said before, diminishing returns, diminishing returns, diminishing returns. So it would
0: be better just to sit your thing, your payload on top of an explosion that released all that energy (laughs) at the same time because then it's not carrying anything as it goes up. They've tried that. They've made big guns. So you make a big
1: gun and you fire it, you bang, and you just launch it into into as high as you can go. The problem with this is you start running into the thick atmosphere problem. You're blasting into atmosphere and also the chemical issue of the exploding gases can only get to a certain... Inside the gun can only get to a certain speed, so and therefore can only push at certain speeds. You can't go uh, very, very fast. You can go very, very fast, but you can't probably get to the gun levels to get
0: into space. It becomes kind of difficult. So what you need to do is remove the mass from the fuel. Yes. But keep the energy
1: there. Yes. There it is. So And that's where we're leading right up to now. I was really fascinated to discover something called spin launch. Spin launch has been around. It's not new, but it's sort of coming into into effect now. It was a weird
0: idea. And spin launch is an idea of having... Sounds like uh, the beginning of Trump's political campaign. Hey-oh! There
1: you go. He's he's topical. Spin launch is the idea of having a rotating arm 100 metres across and you attach your payload to it and you spin it up. And you spin it up to 450... RPM, revolutions per minute. So you're spinning mm-hmm. a you're spinning now 100 meters across at 450 revolutions per minute, and then you launch it. That's you, quite rapid. That's very rapid.
0: And then you launch it into into space like a hammer throw, at the uh, the Olympics or in other places where they do hammer throws, which of which I have no idea when, where that would be. So we have, this, we have this arm that's spinning
1: at 100 metres. So a 100-metre arm that's spinning 450 revolutions per minute. And so you release it. And it, as long as you're spinning in a vacuum, <laughs> get about the speed, and then you launch a vehicle that way. And if you have a uh, small enough payload, a decent-sized payload, you can get that payload up to about 70 kilometres into the air just by l- yeeting it, yeet, and <laughs> sending it into the lower or at- well, the higher atmosphere. So not quite into space, but pretty damn close, and
0: then you but can the accumulate. amount of fuel you save is then logarithmically it 's smaller it's you only need a, you only need a very small amount of fuel to get that
1: last a couple of hundred or a couple not hundred a couple of tens of of meters meters kilometers so from seventy five kilometers up to a hundred or one hundred and twenty hundred and thirty hundred and forty uh, kilometers up and go into an orbit. So this is a really exciting idea of spinning up over long periods of time. It's not just activate and throw. It starts spinning. Uh, at the moment, they've built a small prototype, thirty meters across. So the hundred meter will be the full one. So you start spinning. You take a couple of hours. Use nothing but electricity, electromagnetism inside a vacuum. So you spin it up. You spin it up. 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 Spin it up and then release. It comes flying out of the out of the, the uh, tunnel, blasts through into the atmosphere. It'll heat
0: up. It's going. So, okay. So. There are a couple of issues here. Yes. So, <laughs> more than a couple. <laughs> if you're spinning it and it's like horizontal, yep. then it has to change its angle. So, it has to have a, like a ramp <laughs> that. You won't blow a hole in. You, what they do, the idea, well, the, the prototype is f- uh, vertical,
1: so 90 degrees up and down. Right. But the, they want to have about 35 degrees. So lying it on a hilltop at 35 degrees and launching it that way, which will give you so, some of the so horizontal you don't have to velocity. Direction. No, not at all. You just let
0: it go and yep. a off it goes.
1: And so you don't want to go you Force. don't want to, you know, to go into orbit you don't want to go straight up because that means you'll just fall straight down to go into orbit you have to fire it off the side of the planet so fast that yeah. it misses the planet forever. That's yeah. that's an orbit. So you want to go at yeah. an angle.
0: Now another thing is it's going to go from a vacuum mm-hmm. and then it's going to hit like a very thick atmosphere. <laughs> yes, yes it will. So and yeah. and spaceships that do that traditionally catch fire. Yeah. Like it's a it's it's a it's a it's a it's an issue it's when a, they come back. Yeah, and, and that's the thinnest part of the atmosphere. <laughs> this is like real thick and sticky.
1: You have to keep that absolutely have to keep that in mind when you look at and things- then
0: and then how do you go from a vacuum to a to an environment? You're going to have to open the door. All that vac. All that. It's like Are you just going to have one of them plastic curtains like they have at yeah. the. At, at, That's a, what
1: the a, it's basically a, a rubber sheet that this thing plows through and bursts. Oh, and it just pops the rubber yeah. sheet <laughs> straight through, or a plastic sheet, yeah. Because you've only got one atmosphere of pressure on
0: it because you know, you've got a vacuum inside. It's not that high a pressure, but really. When you, when you do a belly, when you fall under water from mm. a height, mm. it's like hitting concrete. Mm. So if you go from a vacuum and you're traveling at eight kilometers per second mm. and you hit. A, a small rubber sheath with the planet Earth's atmosphere behind it. <laughs> yes. Like, that's going to be like, that's going to be like hitting concrete.
1: Don't, but yes, but the, you don't, that, but the difference between belly flopping and diving, if you dive in with your hands, you don't see Olympic divers going, and he's mm. dead. Like, because they, 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 they make a little. Rocket shape, basically, and, and pierce the water that way. Same with this. This will be a rocket, ah. literally a rocket shape. It won't just be a, a a big belly. It'll be a rocket shape. It'll go into the atmosphere. But yes, it will heat up. When you look at missiles that are launched at ten times the speed of sound or, or accelerate very quickly, they heat up. And they, this is going to heat up. Don't don't you mind about that? Uh, it's going to be very very hot. It's something you have to take into account. It's also going to be pulling. Brace yourself. Ten thousand gs. So.
0: As it spins, I don't think bracing myself is going to help. Actually, well, no, because a human I would be liquefied. Yeah, you will. You, it... you just put your head between your knees, and then and then your flesh the will literally
1: they'll... get pulled off your body, off, off your bones at ten thousand gs. So
0: not a not a. So make sure you bring a bucket and be careful what the bucket's made out of, because <laughs> I can't imagine many buckets are going to be able to survive ten thousand gs. It's do, can we can we do stuff that can survive 10,000 Gs worth of force? I had to look into that because I was intrigued by that concept. Human beings,
1: obviously not. You're not sending biological stuff up. But most of the time, biology isn't being sent into space. We don't want to send humans this way. We want to send payloads of stuff into space this way, like satellites or equipment into space. Anti-satellite m- missiles. <laughs> 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 yes, that's topical. Topical, yes. Uh, and very weird. Don't blow up your satellites in space, for goodness sakes. I was wondering about 10,000 Gs, can we survive it? To start off with, it's not instantaneous 10,000 Gs. It's built up over four hours. So they, they spin up the arm and the Gs pile on and pile on and pile on over
0: four hours. So that means it's not an instantaneous you know, crashing. But hang on. No, 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 no. No, hang on. So the 10,000 Gs is the centripetal force. Yes. Yeah, because it's, it's you're spinning yeah. something up and up and up, okay. and up and up and up and up and up. and Because you would spin it up. But even, even then, if you get to like nine Gs, a human blacks out. So it doesn't matter... How slowly you get to nine G. Oh,
1: it's not for people. Sorry, it's not for people. As I yeah. said before, no, forget people. We're not sending people with spin launch. That's not
0: like. That not what are you saying? Is it's like oh, it's not automatically ten thousand Gs, but it doesn't matter because at some point it will be ten thousand Gs, it, and that will be sorry. It doesn't matter. It doesn't energy.
1: It doesn't. Matter for humans are not going to survive this. So I wasn't meaning humans. I was just talking about the. But it doesn't matter for anything.
0: Like surely, no, no. If if the energy gets up to ten thousand Gs, it doesn't matter how quickly it gets to that. It does. It
1: does if it's spread over a wide area. I'll I'll try and explain because we have built technology that can survive ten thousand Gs. So already, World War Two, they had proximity. Detonation devices, which are basically a little vacuum tube that were fired out of guns, that were getting equivalent of ten thousand g's, and they they survived. You're talking nineteen forties technology, so that can survive being fired out of a gun. We could build technology that can survive. Your everyday mobile phone, like a, a modern mobile phone, could possibly survive at ten thousand g's. Once again, not ten thousand g's are being. I'm just pointing like a, a pen at my screen. If I grab my pen now and slammed it into the, into my phone. That would make a a very very powerful point, and it would probably break the glass on my phone. That's, but that's at one point. If you have ten thousand G's spread over the entire thing, this phone could very easily, not very easily, potentially survive that ten thousand G's, which is surprising to me, but it supposedly can, possibly. Mm. So we do have technology that can survive this level of uh, this ten thousand G's. And when they looked into, would you could you build a satellite? Could you build solar panels? The answer is yes, you probably can. You'd have to engineer your satellite or your device that was as the payload to survive 10,000 Gs. And it would probably add about 10%, 20% to the mass of your payload. So now you've added more mass, but you don't have propellant to push that mass. So you're, you're still making a saving, which is the point. You don't have to mm. pay for the fuel, which is ludicrously expensive. You just have to make your device more robust. So the answer is yes, we can build things that can survive 10,000 Gs and send them into space and have them do useful science stuff. It's not just like a bowling ball or something like that, which blew my mind when I looked into it. I was just absolutely shocked that this could potentially work. I'm not saying it's definitely going to work, but it potentially could work and save a lot of money. So I'm fascinated with new ideas on how to send things into space, how we can get up there and contaminate the whole universe. Well, we'll do that. There are other technological issues, not just with the, the device, but spinning something up to 450 revolutions per minute and then releasing you've to, uh, something that co- is a couple of tons, you've got to unbalance very, very
0: quickly. Can you imagine having it all balanced up so this thing spins? You, yeah, you'd have to have a counterbalance that, so that it was like that's right. really delicate on the bearings but as soon as you lose one yes. the whole thing's going
1: to rip apart yeah and fly off and smash it yeah and destroy everything i was I have no idea how they're going to fix that you'd have to very quickly almost instantaneously move the same amount of mass from the end the other end of the device into the center very very quick, or release it so it's smashed into the ground. But that seems very destructive. And the
0: amount of energy to move, you'd be you'd be oh. pulling like the amount of energy you'd have to have ten thousand g's, and you'd have to force against that ten thousand yes. g's, and then get into the center. Yeah, yeah. Well,
1: well, I, I mean, that's not going to work. I, I don't think. I don't think you it, could. could you, a physical weight is probably not the answer. I was trying to work this out in my head how I would do it because there's not they've not said it even vaguely how they're going to do it.
0: It's probably IP involved. You know what you do. What's You that, know what you do. What's up? You launch two at the same time and one travels to the centre of the planet. (laughs) Build a tunnel all the way
1: through. We've talked about this before. That's pretty quick. Just straight down. Uh, Look, that's one way of doing it. I was thinking magnets might be a way of of doing it. So you have a magnetic field that it builds up on one end. You can build it into the actual launch structure itself and that would create a force on one end. And then when the payload is fired or released – then you switch off the magnets and that would release the
0: the, the force on the other end. But
1: 10,000 Gs?
0: <laughs> yeah. That would be a what hell if of a magnet. Was water. What if water? What it was a tank full of water? And when the rocket shot off on the other side, the other one just opened up and all this water gets left behind.
1: Well, the mass and is still going to crash into the wall. It doesn't make a difference what that mass is. It's still going to be really destructive.
0: You have like a big, you have like a football field worth of space behind it, mm. dug slowly into the ground at 30... Degrees, mm. And it and all the water droplets sort of go. Whoosh, yes, and they become uh, sure. So and there's it, a lot of energy there, and it all heat up. It'd turn into steam. It, probably. Would, it would probably, yeah, that would be interesting too. So you turn all that energy, that all that uh,
1: kinetic energy, into heat <laughs> and power the whole system, and but it powers itself. We've solved it. We're good. Well, that's smart. Yeah, yeah. You store that heat yep. for the next launch. Yep. So you'd lose some of it, obviously, because you can't save all the heat.
0: Maybe you wouldn't. Maybe you'd get more energy back than you put no, in. No,
1: no, you wouldn't. That's not how physics Pretty works. sure that
0: you could do that. No,
1: no. It's just man. IP, IP, we're going to claim that. Spin launch. You can't steal our idea of creating a steam engine out of your spin launch.
0: <laughs> steam powered rocket. Here you go. I love oh, it.
1: finally, steampunk is here. Whirling, whirling to victory. <laughs>
0: There are lots of restrictive diets about the place. Mm. Some remove dairy. Some carbohydrates. None some let you meat. eat people.
1: None let you eat people, Dan. It's really <sighs> ooh the taste of, shame. taste of shame. Well, I mean, apex predator to apex predators. Are we an apex predator? Yeah, we're an apex predator. Nothing yeah. eats us, really. I mean, yes, things can. Can, you know, get us But really but We're not part of their Like, nah. balanced, healthily balanced no. diet It's really unhealthy If you eat a human In fact We come for you yeah. We come for you If a shark eats a person We come for you That shark If animals We, we, we don't go Oh well, leopards We go Kill all the leopards we're, we're, we're big on that So we're an apex predator Do apex predators eat Other apex predators? Are, are there predators or predators? Uh, or that rats do Rats? Rats They're not apex predator though Things eat rats I
0: suppose
1: Heaps of things eat rats, actually. I guess by definition, if something eats you, you're not an apex predator. You're not an apex predator if something eats you. The, the answer is no. By definition, an apex predator doesn't have things eat it, because then it wouldn't be an yeah. apex predator.
0: I mean, some big monkeys eat smaller monkeys. Once again, like, not, not a, a, Like chimps? Not Do chimps eat baby-ish chimps? They eat they baby They kill monkeys. them. I don't know if they eat yeah, them. Yeah, I bet they eat them. But the, oh, I bet they do. The, bastards they are. they are. I don't know.
1: I know. Yeah, war is a big chimp thing, but I don't know if cannibalism is a big chimp thing.
0: Oh no! This is going to be a. This is going to be something really interesting to look into next podcast. Sorry, yes, your story. I apologise. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Yes, go on. <laughs> now, most scientists agree that the Mediterranean diet is the best diet for most humans. Mm-hmm. Weird that the diet from the same part of the world that the human race evolved is so good at keeping us healthy. Yeah. We
1: didn't come from the Mediterranean. We 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 started in, in sub-Saharan Africa.
0: Sub-Saharan. Yes. I thought the cradle of civilization was like Egypt and Well, that's Bahrain civilization,
1: but we're talking we're talking about hominids that the human being started in sort of southern not not South Africa, but like the central the Rift Valley area of Africa.
0: Ah, so a little bit further south. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So not not Better find out what they eat there. I bet it's real healthy. <laughs> what eats them? Everything. If they have any food at all. Which no, they do. The
1: most- <laughs> that, that's yeah, that's a whole different. Not all the time. That's though. a whole there different misconception. Some- we we're definitely showing that we're children of the eighties. Ethiopia is a massive. I mean, they have problems, but Ethiopia is like a massive powerhouse of Africa now. It's not like this. I mean, there are people. Of course, it's always people hungry. Anyway, so let's. We we've been. Sorry, I'm so sorry. I'm going on a side tangents all the time. I'm, I apologize. <laughs> Africa, it's so important. Africa's a big thing. It's this huge continent of 50 something, 54 mm, countries. A lot of stuff going on. And there. we don't know sweet FA about it. Not, every time I look into mm. it, I'm like, oh my goodness, there's all this cool stuff going on that I'm not aware and that I really should be aware. I can tell you about the States of America and all these Russian and the Ukraine and Belarus and Africa, where they're like, like this huge, nothing, not a friggin' thing. It upsets me. Sorry.
0: Biggest country in the world, Africa. It's
1: not, oh, don't Why? <laughs>
0: <sighs> uh, let's go back to diets. Sorry, yes, thank you. So, Mediterranean diet good. Traditional Japanese diets are good. Mm. Some diets are heavier in dairy and meat, like Inuit and Norse diets, yeah. and weirdly enough, they lead to they can lead to more heart disease and cancer. Yeah, calorific. Now, now sorry, sorry, I'll, I'll shut up. i will shut up. I'll shut up. Sorry. <laughs> Now that's what this podcast is, man. Calorific, this, well, calorific
1: restriction seems to be the way of living longer. If you want to live longer, you've got to eat very, very little. Eat enough to keep your system
0: going, but not enough to get layers of fat. You don't want to store too much, unless it's a real cold, in which case you do want to store quite a bit.
1: Yeah, but yeah, like a bear. If
0: you run out of food... But we're never going to run out of food, Dan. We're, we're
1: talking post-scarcity societies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But...
0: Before then?
1: Yeah, that's true. Yeah,
0: that's right.
1: That's why back then, <laughs> that... large, large wives were considered a lot of civilizations as awesome. Because you're like, look how powerful I am. I have a large wife. Her job is just to sit there and be large and make babies. I am powerful and sexual.
0: Look at the resources that she's put, set aside
1: for my heir. Yes, yes. So her boobers are incredible and my kiki is excited.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, where were we? (laughs) Okay, humans, humans, Humans. they need a plethora of various Mm. minerals and vitamins, plus fats and nutrients, and even these things called amino acids. Could we do all of that with one food? We've discussed this on the podcast before. There is one no brainer food that can give the human all they need. Gregoire? Milk. Breast milk. Yes. Human breast milk. Excellent. That'd be great. We could just all all survive on human breast milk. But that person needs to get their nutrients from somewhere. Mm. If they're drinking breast milk, then the person that they're getting the breast milk from needs to get their nutrients from somewhere. It's it's boobies all the way up. It's (laughs) It's boobies all the way down. That's right. And the people with the breasts
1: are having a pretty hard time to get treated as not just as... Dairy animals already Let's not suggest that we should be giving people With breasts the jobs of feeding
0: everyone Smart enough says Yeah that seems like, that That seems unkind Yes, I agree But <laughs> some creatures mm. only eat one thing Gregoire, oh. carnivores for one They only eat meat <laughs> When you said that My brain just went, dick <laughs> Well we've discussed this before But really my, my my brain just went Very loudly and my mind just went, dick. Okay. <laughs> well, penises don't have a lot of nutrients in them. That's right. You could eat a whole bag of them and you're not going to get much from it. That's true. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. Glad to have been able to like bring that joke back. That, that joke I made like a decade ago. <laughs> it's my favorite joke I've ever made on the podcast. <laughs> there is a diet, Gregoire, mm. called the carnivore diet. Yeah. These people propose that humans can get all their nutritional requirements from a diet of meat and meat products, and that they are more bioavailable. (laughs) Now, it is true. When they said that, did they
1: they side-eye the people around them? There's so much meat around, as you carefully stare at the people next to you.
0: (laughs) I think they're referring to stuff like steak. I don't um, think they're, I, I think you're the only person who left immediately to eating each other. Now there's seven and a half billion of us, Dan. There's a, there's a, <laughs> and a lot of us. <laughs> we can't use that because that's been cut for the podcast. <laughs> well, then stop bringing it up you because it otherwise up. I can't get <laughs> it
1: out. Uh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I mentioned dicks I one time, but now I have to ed- eat a whole bag of them. Nutritionally unsatisfying bag of dicks. <laughs> Damn it you I,
0: need a moment I hate
1: eating a bag of dicks And not getting
0: my daily requirement of nutrients <laughs> Time for my vitamin D <laughs> He was drinking while I said that Listeners <laughs> And a mess was made
1: <laughs> I this oh, image Smart enough to know better product Vitamin D <laughs> You and I just standing there with a tildo between us.
0: Hey. Hey, see I'm I'm thinking of like those those <laughs> like special K ads where it's like has your daily recommended <laughs> thing, of vitamin C, E and D and like all those like little t- and D and just a cock <laughs> spinning head over heels into the into the into hitting, the bowl hitting
1: someone in the face. Some a nice, smiling person, like a really healthy-looking person, and suddenly just get hit with a big, flobbly dildo. Like, oh! <laughs> and they never stop smiling, Dan. That's the spooky part. Yeah. yeah. We should be advertising agents. What is going on?
0: We are way off track. <laughs> Please. It is true that some nutrients are more bioavailable in meat. You don't need a long digestive tract to get the benefit of it. But here's the thing about humans, Gregoire. They've got a long digestive tract. They do. There is plenty of time for plant matter to break down. Also, it's a bit misrepresentative to say that carnivores only eat meat. They eat the muscle, the organs, mm. the bones and the stomach contents. These stomach contents include plant matter that is already partially digested. Ooh. So the carnivores are still getting the same nutrients that the omnivores like us get. Now, only eating meat is going to limit your intestinal flora. Also, mm. plant matter ferments. Mm. This creates an environment that breaks down meat more effectively. Now, this is important because humans have intestines that are long enough to digest vegetables. Mm. If the meat isn't broken down faster, it can rot. Ugh, it's, and then you end up with the cancer. I just...
1: All this talk about eating... I, I don't eat meat anymore. And so I just... The concept of eating that much meat... I know, even now, I feel my body, it's not even like, oh, I can't possibly eat meat. It's just, I'm not built for it anymore. So the idea of eating an all-meat diet, I just, my
0: body started bloating already without no meat. It's like, oh, God, we just, it would just be awful. On the carnivore diet website, they talk about how your body will have a natural period of recalibration. (laughs) As it recalibrates to horror. (laughs) You'd be farting okay. a storm. You'd just be like, oh, maybe. I've oh, just, oh. Well, if you just ate meat, mm. you'd end up burdening your kidneys and liver. Mm. Breaking down meat creates ammonia, and that needs to be processed. The more meat you eat, the more work your kidneys need to mm. do just to get nutrients out of your food. On top of that, the brain needs glucose. Meat does not provide enough glucose. Mm. So it's if refreshing. you're dumb enough to start the meat mm. diet... You're not going to get any smarter. (laughs) Yeah, you need... It's protein. You've got lots of protein. That's great. But you need... Oh, heaps heaps of protein. We need protein. Yes. That's important. You don't need a lot of protein. That's the funny thing. Your body... You don't need a lot of protein. You need a very small amount of protein to survive. Okay, so we can't eat only meat. What about carbohydrates? Mm, Grains? Just bread? Well, the problem with that is that there is plenty of energy, but you need amino acids. Mm. The body can make its own alanine or glutamate, Sure but it needs other amino acids to make this happen. If you don't give it enough of the nine basic building block amino acids, Mm. it can't redistribute between the 20 amino acids the body needs.
1: That's what Colonel Sanders did with KFC. That was his thing about the nine. The 11 secret amino acids. absolutely, yes. Fat and sugar. No, and salt.
0: (laughs) Finger licking good. (laughs) Are we being sponsored? Are we being sponsored by the Colonel? You know what I've discovered? Oh, oh no, you're you're a vegetarian. Yes. You won't benefit from this. <laughs> Please enlighten the listeners. But I've been the, the, the Red Rooster mm. has been doing this like this new deep fried chicken, which is basically look, we can't we're competing with KFC, mm. and I've been trying it. It's like it's pretty good. Oh, okay, like you know how KFC is like here is here is a cup full of slop and oil, yeah, yeah. mixed in with like these delicious addictive chemicals. Yeah. well, the, the Red Rooster isn't quite so sloppy and oily, and I'm like. Ah, oh, this tastes pretty good. A bit salty, but yeah, good. Just pass the MSG. Yum. <laughs> if you don't have all the amino acids, this can affect your cognitive abilities. It can make you more anxious. And once again, it means once you start, you're not going to get smart enough to stop. Mm. <laughs> but thankfully, at least your ability to resist food that it desperately needs and are intentionally avoiding will decrease as well. So hopefully... It'll self-regulate, okay. and you'll just fall off the diet. Sure. So, why can some animals live just eating grass? It's because their gut health is different. Their bacteria is able to provide different nutrients using different combinations of initial matter. Plus, they're eating a lot more matter than yeah, we yeah. are, filtering out the little bits of amino acid that they
1: can get. And they and they have like seven hundred stomachs, just just doing crazy stuff, yeah. passing them back and forth, and doing crazy stuff, and occasionally just vomiting back into your own mouth and giving another good chew. Yeah. Cows are basically grass processing machines. That's right. And then we process them as friends. <laughs> friends, not food. And then we process our guilt about their loss. We, we ignore it. We push it down and push it away and we never think about it. And when people bring it up, you attack them angrily and, and roundly. All your guilt becomes grief and anger projected outwards of the person who casually mentioned
0: that they don't eat meat. Suddenly, it's all—it's a shame show. <laughs> How dare you remind me that I'm a murderer? <laughs> Sorry,
1: I just became that guy. Oh, it's amazing. You want to step down off that soapbox? No, no, no. no, no, no look, look. You know, I don't really mean that. It's just—it is—it is something that has happened. Oh, to Oh, I you.
0: don't use soap. That's an animal product. <laughs> like, that's the fats rendered now. I maybe. only use the fat from rich people. It's,
1: it's I wash with a crystal. Ever since, ever since Fight Club, I only
0: take it from rich Americans. Mm. All right, how about fruit? What if I just ate? Yeah, fruit? Yeah, that's. I hope so. Fruit is loaded with fiber and vitamins. It's great. And sugars, in the sugars, in. so many sugars, oh, endless sugars. Oh yeah, look all the sugars in there. It's too much sugar. Well, you should. Yeah, you should definitely have fruit in your diet. Mm. Now, too much fiber, fiber mm, yes, creates bloating and belly cramps. Yes, true. Your intestinal tract actually then pulls water out of you to make sure that the fiber can pass. This creates a scenario where the fibre doesn't stay very long at all. Mm. It rushes it, out. It, it, oh, it does. When I eat watermelon,
1: oof, I love watermelon. It's it's sweet. It's watery. It's full of fibre. I know that if I have too much watermelon, I better make sure there is a uh, facilities nearby
0: because my body will go. Great, that can all leave. <laughs> and uh, watermelon is a garbage food it is it's it's like cucumber but
1: pink it's it's also tasty and it's it's sweet so to hell with you
0: people who don't like watermelon awful that's, that's awful stuff God. now the other problem with fruit is there's very little calcium and you kind of mm. need that to make your bones strong mm-hmm. but you don't necessarily need strong bones <laughs> But you're getting heaps of vitamins, but unfortunately your body needs fats Mm. to absorb them. Now, you can get fats from fruit. You could eat avocado. It's got fat in it. Then I couldn't buy a house. That's true. That's true. Avocado. Smashed avocado. Can't buy a house. Can't buy a house. That's, that's the law. Uh, I think that's a global joke. I, I hope so. I think that's a joke that's in like the US and the UK. As I well. hope so. well, we'll find out. I, hey, listeners, get in contact. Is that smashed
1: avo? Smashed... well, that's Australian. Smash avo is uh, oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Everyone calls it smashed, smashed, smashed av- av- yes, avo. Yes, yes. Well, I heard I heard Americans talking about avocado on toast, and I was a bit confused. And when I saw it, I went, "Oh, it's smashed avo!" So, <laughs> it's like descended into my into my uh, cultural heritage. <laughs> but yes. The scent is correct. <laughs> the, uh, but yeah, get in contact. Is in your neck of the woods is having smashed avocado or just avocado on toast at a cafe synonymous with not being able to buy a house? Is that a thing? I'm interested.
0: The great thing about avocado though, is it does have fat in mm. it. In fact, it's mostly fat. Wow! And the one of the best fats. That's, that's why it's a little round body. So let's we don't, don't we shouldn't shame it. It's Bobus. It's Booba. Booba. Boobah. 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 It's actually known for testicles, isn't it? It's an avocado I, like Yes, yes, it looks like yeah it's basically Incan for testicle. Yeah, 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 it's sure. Sure. Something like that. If you're an Incan, ring in. Okay, so uh high in good fats, they make absorbing vitamin A easy. Very little calcium in them though, mm-hmm. weak bones. No iron, weak body. Mm-hmm. How about bananas? Mm. I've heard good things about bananas. I've heard that if you only ate one food, besides breast milk, it should be bananas. It's a
1: way of getting some radioactivity into yourself, too, so you can get superpowers. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Most people don't
0: want superpowers.
1: Well, most people are stupid. And that's why I'm going to eat them.
0: Great great I mean, responsibility.
1: Like, <laughs> <that's the problem. laughs> that was so loud. Bananas. My the laugh, they were so loud. I heard it through your headphones, back into your microphone. Sorry about that. You sure wasn't
0: just echoing off a nearby hill. <laughs> Bananas provide lots of energy and lots of essential nutrients. Mm. They contain certain amino acids that are known for making blood vessels dilate. Mm. Overdosing on these can create headaches. And also you can slip on them and make create comedy. Oh, yes, that's true. Although not for long. You can do it once, yeah. and but diminishing returns. Yeah. <laughs> Well, comedically or or chemically on the banana? Uh, Probably digestively as well. Sure, sure. Yeah, fair enough. Bananas have tryptophan in them. This makes you sleepy. Mm. They have heaps of potassium, which can cause a condition called hypercalamia that creates nausea, irregular heartbeat, Mm -hmm. and also potassium is very slightly radioactive. Yes. As you point out. Yes. They are high in vitamin B. For banana. Too much, which can result in nerve damage. There's no fat, so you'd had some trouble absorbing vitamins. There's no protein, so no rebuilding tissue. So if I had smashed avo and smashed banana, nana, a bit of banana on my toast, that that would solve a few problems there. A couple of them, mm. but again, that, that, that's 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 a you're having too many ingredients. Mm. We want to only have oh, one thing. Oh, yes, that's right. Yeah, damn it. What about coconuts? Coconuts have got vitamin C. Mm-hmm. They've got sugars and fats. Check vitamins E, B one, B three, B five and B six, and minerals including iron, selenium, sodium, calcium, magnesium, and phosphorus and potassium. And and you can
1: use them to bean someone else on the head with them and take their food. But only if it's coconuts. <laughs> Fine. In this situation. Yeah, no, fair enough. You can steal their coconuts. You could so basically for the for the for the expenditure of one coconut, I can get all your coconuts.
0: Yes, but you should wait until I've got all of someone else's coconuts. Oh, there you go. And if you could just look over in that direction <laughs> while I do it. <laughs> all right, so where were we? Magnesium, phosphorus, and potassium. Mm. Now, potassium, which can cause a condition called hyperkalemia, that creates nausea, irregular heartbeat, and also potassium is very slightly re- That's radioactive. That's not coconuts. That's also coconuts. Oh, no! Radioactive coconuts. Uh, uh. You might live 10 years... But again, limited amino acids, organ failure city. Mm. Dang it. What about beans? Legumes. Beans are full of fiber, potassium, folate, iron, manganese, and magnesium, and they are cholesterol and fat-free. They're a Uh superfood. But they don't have fat. Yeah. And they're missing certain nutrients. You could survive for a while, but you're going to start failing to absorb vitamins. Yeah. Okay, one more chance, Gregoire. The hummingbird diet. Sugar. Sugar. If you ate only sugar, you would have heaps of energy that was easy to access. Oh, my heart's already freaking out of the concept. Yeah, it would play havoc with your blood sugar levels, but your body should be able to balance that out. Oh, okay. Uh, You'd feel like All these diabetics going, screw you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pick up your game, diabetics. Come on. Put some effort in. Okay, so you would feel like crap. You would feel weak, sluggish, miserable. You'd stop healing yourself. There would be pain in your joints. There would be swollen gums. There would be bruising. Does this sound familiar, Gregoire? This that sounds like my day-to-day life. That's but scurvy. Or oh, scurvy. Oh, damn it! <laughs> need to eat an orange. Yeah. You'll wish you were dead... And then you'll get your wish. (laughs) Vitamin C is super important to humans. It's the first thing that our bodies will start to miss.
1: But why is it important to humans when we're the only great ape, I think, that no longer produces vitamin C? So other apes can just produce it naturally. We evolved and we got
0: rid of it. Stupid, stupid design. Yeah, I'd like to register a complaint to the designer. Well, number one, fats are required to process it. Yeah. The hummingbirds, they can put themselves into a state state of torpor, and they have a special mechanism to deal with an influx of electrolytes. Most animals that live on nectar also gain amino acids from other sources. Which I assume is just flying up to them like and flying into their
1: eye at a million kilometers an hour and like eating their brains.
0: What are you... What?
1: I assume that's, that's like the little. a the, the little like out of Dune. It's this weird flying
0: attack thing, like, like a hummingbird. Let's, let's not use ah! Dune as a, as a as a way to establish how diet works, because as we worked out in our Dune mm. episode, their mm. ecosystem is cyclic and stupid. That's right, and lo- eating a lot of worm poop. There's a lot There's of a worm poop. A lot of cam- cannibalism in that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sand trout. Mmm. Sand trout. Okay. Mono diets don't work for humans, and they don't work for 99% of animals either. Human beings need lots of leafy greens, plenty of vegetables with some fruit. They need some grains and legumes. They benefit from having a little bit of dairy and a little bit of meat. Imagine, Gregoire, a pyramid with all the rubbish (laughs) stuff you have to eat at the bottom and all the really yummy stuff at the top. Mm. Remove the very, very top bit and keep all the rest... That is probably what you should be eat, eating yep. if you're a regular normal
1: human being. That pyramid is terrible. Like once, you, like they eat this much dairy, and you realize it was made by like the dairy corporation to sell more dairy. Yeah. no one needs to drink that much dairy except
0: if you're a baby. That's it. There's an entire level here dedicated to McDonald's. How did that work? <laughs> it's quite, it's quite low on there too. <laughs> Dan. J J J J Beeston. Ooh, that's too many Js. Dan J J J Beeston. That's not enough Js. <laughs> Dan J
1: J the square root of I J Beeston. Look, I I should probably point out it's a moving target at
0: this it's, point, and you're never going to get
1: it. <laughs> it's it's part of it's one of those immutable things, inevitable things, which leads me to my point about you have a weakness.
0: Whoa, why are we? why are we recording
1: this? We are, you have a weakness, Dan. You have a, you have a weakness that I need to bring up with you now. Something that you've been hiding for years until you told everyone before. But you have been <laughs> hiding the fact that you cannot do this. You cannot click your fingers. Or laser tag. So I'm just doing it over and over again. I can, can, you can't try. Please, please try now for the audience. Get get to the mic. Hear that hear that weird noise? That's, that's his that's it's the sound of my flippers paddling together. <laughs> and Dan can do pretty much anything else, but for some reason he cannot click his fingers. It's a really strange thing. I've always been wondering why and I have he cut... practiced the shit
0: out of it. Like I've spent less time <laughs> trying to cut cards with one hand and I can do that.
1: Now can... this there is someone else who probably shouldn't be able to snap his fingers and that was someone very similar to Dan, JJ the square root of negative one j Beaston. And that's Thanos. Missed it again. God damn it. That was Thanos. So in the the movie Infinity War, in the Marvel Cinematic... Spoilers for Infinity War. Sure. That movie that happened ages ago. Thanos gets all the Infinity Stones, and then he puts them into his Infinity Glove, and then he (laughs) snaps away half the universe of life. But he had this big armoured glove, and so the question is... Could he actually snap his fingers and why can't Dan snap his fingers? These things are probably connected in some way. Wow. So I wanted to do some research. And so I did the research to find out what the heck is going on and why you have failed, failed, Dan, in this way. Did you do the research or just the readings? Oh, look, how we're all getting, we're getting very exciting now. Aren't we? I, sure. Sure. Did I actually look, go do this? I'm gonna
0: be calling out those knuckleheads parading up and down the streets talking about vaccines. True, true, true. Okay. I did the research means something.
1: Oh my god. So I I will stand by and say I did readings of people who did research, unlike those people who just went online into Facebook and decided that they knew something. Very, very different. That's why we haven't got time to do all the research. That's why we have scientists to do it for us, Dan. That's okay. And why we've got Google Scholar to look things up. Absolutely. On. So I have here an actual paper talking about how to snap your fingers. How does it actually work? Because people didn't really know. Can you
0: send that to me for the show show notes? Yes, I will, of course. Good, good, good. Oh, no, it won't teach you how to do it. It's just the science of it. God damn it. (laughs) It's just the science of
1: it. Why does it work? So people were, no one actually done the research into how you snap your fingers. How do you do that? Why does it happen that way? And is it a human kind of thing? So a finger snap is a latch-like mechanism. So, it's like a spring. So, energy is stored into the system and then rapidly released when the latch releases. Mm-hmm. And what that means is, so, with your finger and uh, your middle finger and your thumb, mainly where you snap from, you start by pushing them together and that builds yep. up energy. Yep. And it latches because you have friction between your thumb and forefinger. Uh, Your middle finger, and that builds up the energy. And it can't when you start pulling your thumb sideways; it doesn't instantly release. It's not just sliding over. There's actually some energy stored now. It's latched together. When you finally get enough force that it can break that friction, overcome the friction, it snaps, and your middle finger slams down
0: into your palm, making the. Noise, snap noise. I think mine's just sliding. I think I'm too strong. Uh, that's that could be it. I think I'm stronger than most men.
1: <laughs> that may be. That may be true. That's probably it. So that's true. 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 Sure. So I think a snap takes about seven milliseconds. So it's twenty times faster than the blink of an eye. So it's really fast. All this energy builds up very, very quickly. So the experiment. So mine actually goes faster than that. So I'm probably faster than most men. Faster than most men and stronger. They did an yeah. experiment where they, because we can just do this thing, snap, snap, snap. Most of us can anyway. More, more all the ordinary people, like the, all the extraordinary people, all the all the failures can't. But, all the weaklings, Yes. Yeah, so they, <laughs> they did the experiment where they put nitrile gloves on people, so it's very, 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 very lubricated, and tried to make them snap, and they couldn't snap their fingers because there was no latch, there was no friction. You couldn't. Push you couldn't build up enough force to snap. You could only slide them across. Kind of like maybe how Dan's doing it. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe you're too you're too slippery. Maybe you're a slippery customer and you, you just slide off. I did remove my fingerprints for a thing. <laughs> for a thing. The other one is if you put rubber thimbles. On your someone's hand, and you rub them together, they can also not snap their fingers because there's too much friction. There's too much of the latch, and it's all energy is lost as heat, and so you just kind of slide past, and it doesn't snap. You can't get that explosive release of the latch system, and to make that noise so it seems dan that you either are too slippery you're too too damn slippery which i don't think is your problem too moist too moist and i don't think that's your problem i have been thinking about what i know about you i don't think it's moistness you're not not a moist human being but i'm quite a dry one that's it and i know that you have and i wouldn't don't think you'd mind me saying this you you do sometimes have eczema so dry skin you have an issue with that and this is my... I am not oily. You're not an oily man. I think it's the eczema or some, whatever produces the eczema on your body or allows eczema to develop in your fingers is why you can't snap your fingers. I think your fingers is uh, has too much friction, that you are not oily enough, that the latching mechanism generates too much friction and actually makes means that the energy is lost when you snap your fingers together. And that means you can't do that. You find it very, very hard. In fact, you definitely can't do that. How do you feel about that? I
0: reckon it's the strength. I think I I think I'm just strong. Okay,
1: sure. That's that could be it. But let's get back to the question: Is Thanos? Could Thanos? I think I've solved your problem. You're 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 too dry. One of them. (laughs) You're too dry. Basically, you have this dry, too much friction in your fingers. I think it's my. That's my ongoing hypothesis. Too acerbic. Sure, sure. That's yeah. That's acidic. You're too strong and you're too, your pH is far too low. and they've... Acerbic,
0: not acerbic. Oh,
1: right. Okay. To, right. Yes. I'm very dry no, and they... my wit is acerbic. Cerbic. Oh, I see. Okay. I apologize. I misheard. But could Thanos do it? So Thanos had a big armored glove and he put his thumb and, you know, you should have hit, aimed for the head and then snapped yep. his the fingers and half the people of the universe vanished. Gone.
0: They're all dusted. Could he have done that? Now, yep. Yes. <laughs> why? What's your why? Well, he's in, he's in possession of the Infinity Stones. Like he can change the the composite nature of the glove. Yes! To be exactly yes! the right. Thank you. He doesn't even need to no. make a click on his thing. No, no, no. He no. can just move his hands around, and then- yes. Yes, and, and make thank a little you. tiny thunderclap in his palm. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. It's let's the Infinity it, Stones. Let's let He's pull, turning people yes. into dust. He, he can't make a click sound with his fingers. I want to. What I are want you to- talking about? <laughs>
1: I know. I'm so angry. I'm so. I'm so not angry at you. I'm so angry at everyone for being dunderheads. The rest of the world are dunderheads. Every time I think about this, I'm like. You're missing the point, or maybe I'm missing the point. Okay, let's 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 break this up. I want to get back to what you said. I agree with you, but let's get back to it. Physically, if it was just a physical armored glove that wasn't magic, no, there's no way in hell he could snap his fingers. So because it'd be too much friction between his metal metal fingers and and the other metal finger. There's no way. it, it, yeah. it, would, just, it would. He couldn't snap his fingers. So yes, in the make re- a spark.
0: I'll be. In the rear yeah,
1: clang clang, but it wouldn't snap. Sure. But he wasn't. He doesn't live in the real world. He's Thanos. He's. Got, he said he has the Infinity Stones. He can use his Infinity Stones without clicking his fingers. He constantly did it. He turned people into rubber. He created realities around him. He teleported through time and space just by waving his hand vaguely. He only snapped for the destruction of the universe, half the universe. So he doesn't have to snap his fingers to use his power. He has one stone. It's called the Force Stone. What does the Force Stone do? It's. It actually. Stores unbelievable amounts of energy. He can create energy. (gasps) Oh my God. He can just use one of the stones, one of the stones to drag his finger with enough energy and to protect it so it doesn't explode. And as he said, make a snapping noise just by snapping it with enough force. He can break his own latch mechanism and snap his fingers. Thanos definitely can snap his fingers with the gauntlet and with the four stone all by itself. Forget all the other crazy ways you can snap your fingers. So this is done. We can put this to bed now. Dan Beeston cannot snap his fingers.
0: Thanos can snap his fingers. But if I got my hands on that inf- on that Infinity Stone, you, you'd be a be snap, able to Have a go.
1: You'd be a snapping, snapping king. You'd be like Dan. Is there the a snapper. damp
0: stone? Is there a stone that makes you slightly damp? <laughs> the moist <'Cause>, stone. <laughs> yeah, I want that one. Give me that one. <laughs> Welcome to the Walk of Shame. In this segment, you, the listener, contact Greg and get, provide him with ammunition against me. <laughs> Because I've screwed up. Or Um, if I say something odd about you, like you're a big Thanos supporter, which
1: would just make you a monster, then, of course, you can uh, get in contact with Dan and say, hey, that Greg guy has made him an error.
0: Yeah, but they didn't. They didn't. didn't, They didn't. Off you go. Oh, fair enough. Well,
1: they definitely did for you this time. Michael Barnes, longtime listener, a big supporter of the podcast. When he finds a walk of shame, he puts some effort into it. So he's the gold standard, in fact, for the podcast. Oh, yeah, 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 absolutely. Uh, if you want to, we love all our listeners writing in, but good Lord, but Michael writes in, someone's getting a kicking. And today, that person is Dan. That's why I'm happy.
0: Yeah, Someone's
1: getting illuminated, you mean. No no it's a kicking. It's an absolute uh, it's a shellacking. You are getting you are getting taken around the back and beaten with the clever stick cuz <laughs> And he wrote we took alcohol glasses and the shape of them and why they were shaped in certain ways and we were looking yep, at the, yep. the the fumes from them and the color and and the why they were shaped. And he said in in episode 180 the glass was rounded like Mary Antoinette's breasts which is apparently what it was modeled after quote unquote for you. Yeah. So, for a start, he writes, I am surprised the first time someone proposed this, the response wasn't to look at both and go, are you vision impaired? And then he had a picture of the glass and Mary Antoinette's breasts. So, just going, there you go. There's a picture of okay, her breasts. So
0: the, the glass is like, I mean, it's like you'd expect, like a pert little sort of half pomegranate. Yes, but they're really not breast shaped. Like, that is not a breast shape in any way, shape or form. That's not breast. I mean, it's, I, I mean, breasts are sort of, they hang down like, teardrops a little bit if they're done, if they're Proper breasts. Done pro- proper breasts? <laughs> Done properly. They're not really... That's not really... Look, they, they have like, a picture... That's not really... Like, but, yet, that, but they look just like... Mar- He's showing me a statue of Marie Antoinette. Yes. And it looks the same. They, I don't think they look the same at all. They it's, look the same. They don't In look fact, the they same. they look weirdly pert. No, that's, that's that's also... Which is the point, I think. So the
1: champagne glass is a shallow broad... So the, the coupe, I think it's a coupe, is a shallow... Coupe, bro- yeah. is a Is a shallow broad... This is from Wikipedia, our favourite source of all knowledge on this podcast yep the champagne coupe is a shallow broad bold saucer shaped stem glass generally capable of containing 240 milliliters of liquid and that's a stupid number of fluid ounces no one cares legend has it the shape of the coupe was modeled on the left breast of the french queen Marie antoinette the wife of king louis the 16th of france that's what i said but the glass was designed in england over a century earlier especially for sparkling wine and champagne in 1663 Oh, so she was born a hundred years after this glass was designed. This is not true. And yeah, as Michael points out, definitely not true in any way, shape or form. That champagne coupe is not designed after Mary Antoinette's breasts. Can't be. Not possible. That's a good one. Yeah. So thank you, Michael, for introducing that. And if you find anything we said wrong, in that case, I think when I looked it up as well, that is widely Put forward is at the beginning of things, so I'm going to give Dan. I mean, he's wrong, and he should be ashamed.
0: Oh, no, I'll walk it. Oh, so you're definitely it. Oh, no, That's you're right. I feel. I don't definitely feel I
1: feel illuminated. Oh, damn it! But it's one of those weird things that people do say. It's, it's a fun story, I guess. You get to say the word breast and Marie Antoinette, but unfortunately, it, it's just not true. It's probably racism. It's probably racism. It's probably made, and then the English didn't like the French, and someone went, "It looks like her tits," ah. and that was the end of that that's the only walk of shame look that can't I, look, I say a whole bunch of garbage on this podcast all the time I can't be stopped so when I do make a mistake make sure you contact Dan and say that Greg what's he doing this is why he was wrong again and
0: if I make a mistake contact Greg yeah You have been listening to Dan at smartenough.org. Also Greg at smartenough.org. Get along to the websites smartenough.org and use the comment section and click on the buttons and... Just to cool subscribe things. and I'm be gonna, a part of the community.
1: I'm going to say, I went back and checked. We haven't had a review on the Apple things for years. It's been years. And normally we're really cool about this. I'm going to be uncool about it and go.
0: Oh, I I, I despise, you know, the, the big walled garden. And app. I don't want a corporation to be in charge of the popularity of the podcast. But it helps, though. I'd Yeah, well, yeah, it does. Yeah, no, but I don't. But I'm <laughs> I'm against it. Sure. I don't want any success if it comes at that teat of Big Apple.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Look, to quote Bart Simpson, to get to Duff Gardens, I will ride with the devil himself. So... I would like people who have never decided to write a review, write a review somewhere for us. Put it out in the world for us. Let us know where you put it so we can point at it and go, look, it's amazing. Whether it's on Twitter or even – don't do Facebook. Or or some sort of Apple site thing or wherever you found us, review us on there. That would be amazing. Thank you very much. And also five five stars, five stars, five stars, five stars.
0: If you would like to support the podcast, you could buy a shirt, you could drop some cash in the tip jar, or you could become a patron of our Patreon. Mm, mm. Uh, They're very pay, sexual
1: people. They're highly, highly sexual. Mm.
0: If you become a Comedy Blimp member, <laughs> Comedy Blimp crew member, yes. then we will read your name out on the podcast and just like this. A big thank you to Andrew Potts, Woot. Christopher Re- Revel, Woot. Andrew Whitehurst, Woot. Matthew Toy, Woot. Britta Rogowski, Lindsay Jenkinson, Woot. Matt Ewers, Woot. Elizabeth Youngkin, Grania McGuire, Ivan, Phil Holland, Abi Greenbury, and Ilana Mitchell. Woot. 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 So, Gregoire, yes. before we get to the next tier, mm. you now you remember you know what our next tier is. Oh yes, it's people pay us fifteen bucks and I will insult them. Absolutely. Okay, so you remember Sean? Sean Seifkin. Oh, of course, absolutely. Yeah, long term promoter, not promoter, long-term supporter of our podcast. Yep. Sean has been constantly throwing down the gauntlet to me Mm. to up the insults. Mm. He's paying good money to me to insult him, and I've been trying to give him his money's worth. Mm -hmm. In putting my insults together each month, I keep this in mind, and you recall that last month, he got compared to the gardens of Babylon and told he'd be better when hanged. (laughs) Quite a clever joke and a roasting that goes up to but does not cross the line. Yes, 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 very good. The only way that this joke could cross the line was if Sean himself had some sort of property that changed the context of the joke. Oh no. Now you and I, Grégoire, oh no, have what would be described as quite pale skin. Yes. Sean Sifkin, oh no, has darker skin.
1: Oh no. So oh, when no. he paid
0: $15 oh, no. to be insulted oh, no. and then I accidentally inferred oh no <laughs> that he be lynched oh no this resulted in him getting what can only be considered too much oh, value for I, money I, I... <laughs> That's a way of putting it oh no He was very gracious and provided me with a wealth of reading material Mm -hmm. regarding the terrible history of how Americans treated people with dark skin, possibly under the misconception that this concept of white people persecuting black people was foreign to people in Australia. (laughs) Mm. I've apologised privately, Mm -hmm. but I'd like to thank Sean again for being understanding. Oof. Now, Gregoire, there is a small part of me that feels a shameful sense of pride that I was able to finally meet and indeed exceed <laughs> his desire to be insulted. But I think I speak for both Greg and myself when I say that he did not pay for that particular experience. No. So Smart Enough to Know Better are introducing a new Patreon tier. That's right. A brand new tier to show your dedication to the Smart Enough oh, to Know Dan. Better podcast. What are you doing? If you donate $165 per month, Greg Wah will commit a hate crime against you. <laughs> Why, no! I think you ask, no! Would you possibly want that? I don't know. Why do we, you pay us to insult you? We have no idea how this works. So join our Patreon. No. $2 to be a supporter. No. $5 to no. be a Comedy Blimp Crew member. No. $15 to join our How to Be Humble tier. And $165 <laughs> to be part of the new top tier no. entitled, You Guys Are So Funny That No. I Can't Breathe. No, 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 no. So, I'd like to thank our top tier members who don't require that I insult them. They are the Van Helsings of the podcast. Eric Wilson. Thank you to Eric Wilson. Al Batson. Thank you to Al Batson. Michael Barnes. Thank you to Michael Barnes. Scott Driscoll. Thank you to Michael Scott Driscoll. And Morden O'Hare. Thank you to Morden O'Hare. And then... There's these monsters," he said, with no sense of self-awareness. <laughs> then there's these monsters. I'm, I'm trying to. I don't want you to get a word in because I don't want you to get wrapped, like, to just be drawn under. With I am. Me.
1: I am very quiet right now. I am stepping away and, and shaking my head a lot and uh, getting. I'm, I'm, I've got my lawyer on speed dial right now. I'm ready to look. We just have to separate ourselves. I think, Dan, maybe separation. I I, I still love you. I think we need some
0: time apart, maybe. Maybe that'd be sort of... Okay, we, we may have to have a meeting about this new Patreon tier yeah, after yeah, the podcast. That would be great, thanks, yes. Okay, but firstly, these monsters mm-hmm. who have paid us $15 a month to insult them. Mikhail Kidar. Mikhail is the podcast resident zombie monster mm. in that he is lacking in brains. Good, good. Excellent, yes. Steve Eichenhout is the podcast resident mummy, in that he's so wrapped up in himself. (laughs) Sure. Tom Seary is the podcast's Frankenstein, in that he would make a terrible doctor. (laughs) Steve Stewart is the podcast's vampire. Ooh. He sucks. Ah, no, 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 that's very good. And finally, Sean Seifkin oh, uh, is the podcast's uh, resident creature from the, the lagoon. <laughs> just, just a normal featureless lagoon. He's he's the creature f- from the lagoon. Jesus, I've done it again. No, 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 no. The, the podcast is over.
1: You have four J's now, by the way. You're not triple J. You could triple J. Dan could... Unless you're giving up a J. If you
0: decided to give up a J. You're a fool J. if you think that you can predict how many J's I'll have at any one time. <laughs> <laughs> In Australia, it's getting too hot and the rest
1: of the world is getting ludicrously cold. And just getting cold, a little so. bit Christmassy. Oh right, yes. No one wants to get married around there. No one wants to bring, no one wants to bring Jesus into your wedding. Jesus. No one have to share it's your anniversary many...
0: with his birthday.
1: Yeah, that's right. Too many damn people in this relationship. You, me, and Jesus. Oof. That's like the world's worst polycule.
0: Jesus, take the vagina. <laughs> um. That's the. That's an end bit. <laughs> it is quite the end bit. <laughs> ah!
1: <laughs> Snort. You'd be, pl- you'd be very proud of me With all my all my mushrooms So I went looking for recipes I actually made food So I made like wow. a, a A parmesan pasta Like an Italian parmesan pasta I, It was nice um, Worth the several hours to prepare it prepar- 10 minutes of preparation 20 minutes to cook kind of thing and I, But I had to buy all the things Because I, I didn't have things like I couldn't grate the parmesan I went, oh, buy some parmesan Got home and go I had this block of parmesan Oh how do I make it into smaller bits of parmesan? Uh, and I had flour down. I had to buy, so it's like flour and cream and stock and turn it. And, and it was like, and it was fine. I'm not very good at it. No, they,
0: it was fine. They get you an air fryer and, a, and that's, the, that's the spark that sets the fire. 12 years time, Greg's got his own Michelin star restaurant. <laughs> air fryer is fine. And he's fine. yelling at people for not putting asparagus in the right direction. Go! Yes. This asparagus is supposed to be north by northwest. Get out of my fire Kitchen. <laughs>
1: so I was like, oh, insult's not great, but MSG is not worse for you.
0: As I understand it, at the time, all these Chinese restaurants would put like the big sticker out the front saying no MSG. Yep. And then they would just put the MSG in. I'm like, <laughs> I people are f- idiots. It's like, what does the MSG stand for? It goes, make stuff good. It makes stuff good. <laughs> you white people with your bland fried anus
1: <laughs> at least have a spicy fried i can, it. Ma- I can make an anus sing <laughs> with msg are we ending the podcast <laughs> it's just, it's just like, actually greg that's we're done
0: uh not yet can't stop on episode 181 Never. there's no narrative satisfaction there <laughs> i was like oh you know you know what'd be good would be to the- our final episode to be 199. That'd drive people up <laughs> the wall.
1: I'm just going to preempt something because the Boober and Kiki thing. Can you not say that you? <clears> oh, <throat> I, I know that. I've heard all that that before. Yeah. Right. Would you mind just yeah? I'm not saying. Gasp, Greg. I've never heard of this. I'm confused.
0: Just yeah. Just don't undermine it. I'll play dumb. Thank you. appreciate it. Yep. For the narrative impact. Thank you. I, that's, that's why I ask. And I won't f*** around at all when it comes up. I'm going to take you at your word. Don't use any of my tone. I'm going to lean into my
1: tone and face blindness. Oh, you've got something in your eye there, Dan.
0: One of your eyes seems to be closing. Wink. <laughs> That's why I'm basically uncancelable Is that that would require me to be redeemable? <laughs> yes. It's like, oh, Dan said something that doesn't like gel with his with 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 what we are. He's like, no, no, Dan's he he's that guy. I'm not like him at all. He's <laughs> just gonna be Dan. You're not that bad. I think you. I think you've made a persona for yourself. Yeah, but it's yeah, but I'm actually brilliant. <laughs> so that now, now when people meet them, they're like, "Oh, he's so sensible and you know, he's nothing like what I thought. Yeah. He's wonderful. Yeah. In just because I'm not awful, <laughs> brilliant. That's quite clever. I like that. Set the bar real low. That's my lifestyle uh, choice. <laughs> people turn up with pitchforks and you're like, "Do to come in for tea? Nice pitchforks. Yeah, right. You guys, you guys oh, are doing a great like, job oh, with them." Well, we... We're going to burn us. And quite frankly, I'm, I'm, I think I think you've done a good job in like coming forward with these pitchforks and really threatening me <laughs> because I've, I've I've learned a valuable lesson and we've all become better people. Oh man, Benito Mussolini could have used you. You reckon? <laughs>
1: hmm. To the time machine.
0: To the time machine.
1: So the word is booba.
0: Booba. I've never heard of this before. (laughs) What is this? I have no mental image. I don't understand. (laughs) This is blowing my mind. Thanks, Dad.
1: I heard the dum-dum-dum at the start and my brain went, oh, he could make the joke about dun-dun-dun. And then you did it the second time went, he's doing the joke (laughs) dun-dun-dun.
0: Good joke. Good fun. Uh, I'm impressed by uh, how cl- I wonder how many of the listeners will be like, I see where he's going. <laughs> I, I think they'll get the th-
1: chances of anything coming from Mars a bit, million to one. But the dum-dum-da, probably not. Uh, my guess. Look, it's the they're, they're not
0: listening quite as actively as you No,
1: European. no, no. And also, we're stewing in the same milieu. We're, we're telling the same jokes to each other <laughs> over and over <laughs> that's, again. That's right. For 11 years now. Uh <laughs> Welcome to the podcast.
0: Oh, so stuff like how do you pray to was, Mecca? Yeah, from yeah, the yeah. where's
1: Mecca? And I went, well, on the moon, it'd be really easy. It's there. You point at the blue thing in the sky and go, there, you just pray in that direction.
0: You know, half the time you can't do that.
1: Why? Because you're on the wrong side of the planet.
0: Oh, wait. Yeah, dep- but not... Each person doesn't have that problem. Just the people who yes, are on the wrong yes. side don't have it at all. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. yeah. Hey, Tidly locked. Yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Is that- <laughs>